Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. So this month we're starting a new book. Well, it's not a new book, but it's a book that we haven't actually covered here before on Sundays, The Basic Ideas of Science of Mind, written by Ernest Holmes near the end of his career. And uh, I think I want to start with the promise. Uh, Do you know what I mean about the promise of a book? Usually a book will have uh, something to say for itself, either on the the back dust jacket or, or maybe in an introduction. You know, why should you buy this book? And here's what Ernest Holmes has to say in the introduction. No matter what your past or present circumstances, the application of these ideas will give you new insight into your own nature. It will start you on such an intelligent, systematic, happy, and purposeful use of life that your experience will become wholesome, ultimately completely satisfying. You will learn the way to happiness, health, prosperity, and a more satisfactory way of living. Careful study and daily use of every suggestion given will richly repay you. No one, of course, can do your growing for you, but you certainly can learn how to do that growing. So that's the promise of this book. I think we're going to have a little fun with it. Uh, As with many of Ernest Holmes' books, the first chapter largely talks about the idea of God. And I want to spend a few minutes talking about that. I think our idea of God in the Science of Mind Church is a little different than in some other religious institutions. And so I want to spend just a minute talking about one of the major differences. So Ernest Holmes starts out by talking about the idea of God being omnipresent. And and that's not surprising. Most of the world's religions view God in this idea of present everywhere. But I think the difference is in Science of Mind, we believe that that is true for all time. Now, in a lot of religions, the idea is, well, yeah, God created everything, but then don't you get the idea that then God kind of went away? (laughs) That God kind of stepped back and is maybe behind the clouds somewhere, you know, checking things out, right? Don't you have that feeling that even though most of the world's religions say, yeah, God created everything, the idea is, in Science of Mind, we believe that God then stuck around, that God isn't hiding somewhere with his arms folded, looking sternly down, thinking, well, you could be doing a better job with this creation, right? Because uh, some religions, you get that idea, you have that feeling that God's like a guy on a cloud with, you know, the finger pointing or something going on, uh, making sure that everyone's behaving or, or something like that. Well, we believe that God really not only created everything, but created it out of God. And so God can't have got anywhere because everything that we can see and touch and, and experience in the universe is still God, right? There's nothing that separates it from that power. There's nothing different from God. And, and so one of the things that I think, again, that's a little different in science of mind is when we're on a quest for God, we don't need to look any further than in the mirror, And I don't mean that in a self-centered kind of way, but really if God is everywhere and everything, of course God then is also in our own affairs. God is part of our reflection of life. And in fact, if you think of it, if all of us in the small are a reflection of the big God, then how does God get God's work done in the world? It gets done through us, yeah. 
a lot of times we think that we, we have some choice of doing God's will or not doing God's will or something like that. If we're part of God, what we're doing is God's will. Now, sometimes it doesn't always look so pretty, if you know what I mean. Sometimes we fumble around a little bit. Sometimes we make mistakes. Of course we do. We're, we're a part of God, not, not God. And so, of course, we're going to make little mistakes. Our egos get in the way. We do things we shouldn't. And that's okay. That's okay because we're still striving on that trajectory of God's creation. There's still that peace of God in all of us and always. Okay, that's how the book starts. It segues almost immediately into the idea of communicating with God. Now, now think about this because it's really an extension of what we just talked about. If our consciousness is part of God's consciousness, Do you see that there isn't any convincing or telegraphing or or some distance involved in communicating to God? Our very thoughts are communicating with God because our thoughts, our consciousness, are part of God's greater consciousness and thoughts. So every thought we have, every belief we have, every understanding we have, every communication we make, we may think it's just in our own head, (laughs) but I gotta tell you, God's in our own head. (laughs) So if if you wanna say a prayer, you're already saying them. Do you know what I mean? It's like every thought you have, every belief you have, everything that's important to you, all of your actions are already speaking volumes to your higher wisdom self. Every thought we have, in a sense, is a prayer. Okay, so where do we go from here? Every Sunday, I think every Sunday, am am I right, Nancy? When, When either you or Sharon do the introduction, there's that invitation that if you want to change your life, all you have to do is change your thinking. And, and it makes sense, doesn't it? If we want a different outcome in our lives, whether it's more love or more joy, whether it's a better job or a better house, whether it's an improved relationship with a loved one or whatever it is, if we want to see a change on the outside, it only makes sense then because the outside is a reflection of what we're thinking that we probably need to change our thinking about it. That's what will promote our lives expanding and growing, whether it be in love or abundance or whatever it is we want to experience. Okay, now we're caught up. Now, now we're where like every science of mind place on the planet is. Those are the, the fundamentals. That's the basics. And so now I'm going to piss you off a little bit. <laughs> Why isn't it working better? Why do our lives still have illness in them? Why does our experience of love sometimes seem to go so wrong and be so painful? Why are our jobs not more fulfilling? Why do our families still have strife? If we believe these things and they're right, why do we still struggle so? Now, I'm not saying that our lives aren't pretty good, but is there anyone here that wouldn't like to see some improvements in the world? Is there anyone here that wouldn't like to see their own lives in some small way be improved or or, or built upon or made bigger or more loving or something like that? Of course, we all want more for life and we would want it for everyone too, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we want to see peace for everyone? Wouldn't we want to see abundance for everyone? Why aren't we getting there faster? Why do we still have our problems? Well, I'm going to tell you a story, and, and right off the bat, I'll tell you, some of you are going to push back a little bit, and that's okay. 
So the story is, uh, earlier uh, this last week, I was in a discussion with some friends. These are people I like, people I trust. There were about four or five of us. And uh, an interesting news tidbit got thrown in for conversation. Apparently, a couple weeks ago, there was a young boy in the hospital uh, in Seattle, Washington, at at the university hospital there, uh, gravely ill, um, the, 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 the young person had, um, I believe it was some form of leukemia, and they were getting a bone transplant, and, uh, and things were going well. And the mother had thought, what a lovely thing to do. It would really bolster this young person's spirits if some of his classmates could come and visit. And so she had set up through the week a few of his, uh, you know, his, like his best friends from school, to come and visit him. One of the kids, unbeknownst to them and their mother, had measles. So measles in the hospital, the young boy with leukemia actually died from being exposed to the measles. Now, of course, the conversation around this then went into the idea of vaccination. Should we be vaccinating our children? And I got to tell you, it, it couldn't, you couldn't have set up a better discussion among my friends because like half of us were on one side of the vaccination story and debate and half were on the exact opposite. And, and it was interesting. I mean, we all care for each other. But you know what I mean when sometimes relationships become a little strange? You could tell that people wanted their point to be the right point, either to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. And and what I did think was really interesting was everyone uh, is is fairly well read and they were pointing out things that we didn't know about each other. For instance, uh, one of my friends said, well, you do know the way that they create the vaccines. Anyone who's allergic to eggs, for instance, is very liable to have a severe reaction. And so you can't just vaccinate everybody. At a minimum, you would need to test to begin with whether someone's allergic to eggs or not, because it's fairly common that people allergic to eggs will either have to have a different form of the inoculation or just can't take it. That was news. I didn't know that. And then another person was uh, was saying, well, the reason for not getting vaccination is it increases the child's chance of autism. And someone said, oh, well, you know, That was a thing about 20 years ago, but the gentleman that actually produced those results was found to be fraudulent. And so there really is no fear. Uh, I mean, you may not want to vaccinate your children, but you don't need to worry about autism. Like, that's out. And what I thought was so interesting is it seemed like a good, healthy talk, but it, it struck me at the end of our conversation, no one had changed their mind. The people who were for vaccinating were even more strongly for it as a a point of the discussion. And the people who were against vaccinating for children were even more strong, right? Even though we had shared factual information, even though this was a a loving, well, reasonably (laughs) loving environment of friends, we were, you know, we're good friends. And yet, there was a little bit of a wedge there that we felt. The reason I wanted to tell you this story has nothing to do with vaccination at all. Please, you're, you're free to vaccinate or not vaccinate your children. You're not getting any information from me on that one. That's for you to choose, and, 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 and you're, you know, you're welcome to go there. But if we believe that in order to change our lives, we have to be able to change our thinking, what's it going to take, people? 
If six intelligent humans grounded in science and with a loving heart can't figure out something like whether it might be better to have children vaccinated or not, Dare we wade into issues of how it is to be happy with a spouse? Dare we wade into issues of how we can live a more abundant life and we have to change our thinking around it to do that? I want to use that for an example right now because a lot of people would say, well, who wouldn't change their thinking to experience a richer, more fulsome life? Let me try this on for size because whether you believe it or you think you don't believe it, here's what's going on in 90% of the population's belief about money. There's never enough money. Money is just a source of strife and fighting. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer at the expense of the rich. There's never enough it causes trouble. Families' first issues around fighting for a newlywed or around money. It's often the cause of divorce and trouble is money. Money is the kind of thing that you almost need to be ashamed of. There's really some value and there's some, uh, how do you say it? There's a pride in being poor. It shows a talent if you can get all of your things from thrift stores and really, uh, really, really manage to conduct your affairs with spending the least amount of money possible. Am I hitting in on, on some of your... Now, a lot of us would just say, well, no, I know there's enough to go around. And, 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 I, and I ask you, so you believe then there's enough for everyone on the planet to live handsomely? Most people will say, oh... Well, maybe not then, right? The rich get rich at the expense of the... Do you see what I'm saying? These are all ideas that are as well or more entrenched in your thinking and your belief system, what you believe, than the idea of vaccination is. It's been indoctrinated in you longer than the idea of vaccination, right? When you were very first born, what are some of the first things that your parents were probably arguing about? How are we going to pay for the new baby? <laughs> How are we going to be able to expand our household for another mouth to feed, right? From the very get-go, these messages of not enough, money is hard, you have to work extra hard to get money right? We can't hardly afford to share it because there's not enough to go around. There's fears of whether we'll have enough to retire on, to send our kids through college on. It's like lack, 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 lack. And if we want to experience a more rich life, we have to change our ideas about money first. So my question again, the same question that I wanted to, to pose to my little group of six friends that were having a, a friendly discussion of the idea of a, a vaccination, what's it going to take to change our mind? Um, I also want to relate to you something that happened uh, interesting, uh, I thought, earlier this year. I think the very first sermon of the year, I traditionally do a kind of a good news sermon. 
And so I looked up the, uh, uh, the Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation statistics on how the world is doing in terms of famine relief and standards of living. I looked up the, the, the U.S. Marshall statistics on crime rates in the U.S. and, and, uh, and some of the information from the United Nations on how uh, global politics are doing and other things. And I got to tell you, 2014... The planet has never been in better shape. And that was my, that was my message uh, the first Sunday of 2015. And you know what? I got more flack from that <laughs> than I have any Sunday message that I had done all the previous year. People for weeks after that wanted to prove to me how terrible the world is. They were bringing me, you know, crime statistics from Detroit. And and I'm going, I didn't say there wasn't any crime. (laughs) I just said it's the best it's ever been since, since crime has been recorded in the 50s. It's the best it's ever been. We're safe in our houses. And people were fighting me on that because they didn't want to change their mind. This month... We're going to try to take science of mind to a new level of practicality. It is my desire that each person in this room is a different person with a slightly different set of beliefs by the end of the month. We're going to try to focus on one area in our life where we would like to see some improvement or some increase, whether it be love or whether it be money, whether it be your job or whether it be your house. Each one of us, I'm sure, could envision something incrementally, if not dramatically, a little better, and I want to go there. And I'm going to make a guarantee that if we can actually change our thinking about some of these things, we will be different at the end of the month and the universe will rush in to reward us by highlighting that difference, that different way of thinking in the real world. So if we improve our thinking about money, if we start thinking that there's plenty of money to go around, if we change our attitude around love and we say to ourselves, maybe all marriages end in a lifelong commitment, not divorce. (laughs) Maybe all relationships with family can be loving and sweet and honoring. When we begin changing our ideas and really are up for it, not digging our heels in and say, no, I'm not going to change any of my ideas (laughs) because when I say that, we're telling the universe, okay, keep things exactly the way they are. Because I produced what I have right now, the thoughts and beliefs and ideas that I have right now are what created my life right now. So if we want to change our lives, change our thinking. I'm going to lead you in a short meditation here to set us up for the rest of the month. If you would, close your eyes. This will only take a minute. I'd like you to picture your life as it is right now. Forget about how you got here. Ignore the things that have happened to either make your life wonderful or not so wonderful. But just think about it just as it is. Almost as though maybe a news reporter were uh, interviewing you about your life. We're going to go into just a few aspects of your life and just allow yourself to reflect upon them. So first, family and friends. Do you feel loved in your relationships? Do you feel that you belong 
Is your desire to be part of a family or a friendship expressed in the way you'd like? Do your relationships feel fulfilling and stable? Do you feel understood? Are you loving and loved? Next, your job, your career, or your vocation. Do you feel successful in your work? Are your talents being used? Are you compensated appropriately? Is your work life in balance with your home life? Do you enjoy what you do for a living? Next, your finances. Do you feel that your finances are in good order? Do you have enough money to do the things you wish to do? Do you worry about money or have enough money for your retirement? Are all of your bills paid on time? Do you carry a credit card balance? Next, your spiritual life. Do you feel connected to your higher power? Do you feel that God is supporting you to live a powerful and a love-filled life? Do you have any beefs with God? Places where you feel your higher power has let you down or misled you? Do you feel connected to your spiritual community? Next, your health. Are your mind and your body supporting you in all the ways you'd like? Do you have chronic pain or chronic disease? Are you physically able to do all the things you'd like to do? Do you feel physically and mentally fit and alive? Do you like the way that you look and move? And last, your recreation. Do you regularly make time just to enjoy life? Do you have regular vacations? Do you make time for hobbies, the arts, or other things that you do for pleasure or to grow your interests? Do you feel guilty when you take time just for yourself? So after examining these different areas, ask yourself, what one area of my life could use the most attention? If I could, what one thing might I change about my life? What change in my life could make the most difference to me? So I invite you, once you have that one thing, to open your eyes and back to that ultimate question, what's it gonna take? You have the power to have that change in your life, whether it's a better job, whether it's a more loving, uh, loving relationship, um, whether it's a better place to live, more abundance. You actually have that power if you're willing to change your thinking. This month, uh, each week from now on, we're going to be learning, uh, reviewing for some, but learning a few more tools around the basic ideas of science of mind. And I'm going to be using this one topic that perhaps you have chosen now as a measurement, if you will, as an indicator by the end of the month, if you don't feel that you have had some movement. 
So I want you to, uh, part of your homework this week really is just to keep in mind then, what is that one thing you want to work on? What, it would, what would it be like if that one thing were changed for you? What if your primary relationship really felt more loving? Or what if you really felt more appreciated at work or had a, a job where your talents were, were really uh, well compensated or, or whatever that one thing is? So begin this week, just a little bit of homework, to really have a feeling of if that one thing changed, what would my life be like? How would my life moving forward be more blessed or better? And then we'll, we'll get to the tools and techniques. Now, you know, normally I start a sermon with a joke. Uh, today, as you can tell, we're doing things a little differently, and so I'm going to end my sermon today uh, with, uh, with the joke. There was a dirt farmer who saved up enough money to buy a few inexpensive acres of land. It was a run-down, weather-beaten farmhouse sat on the acreage. It's a sad picture of years of neglect. The land had not been kept up either. There were old tree stumps, rusted pieces of machinery, all sorts of debris strewn here and there, not to mention a fence greatly in need of repair. The whole place was a mess. Well, the farmer rolled up his sleeves and got to work. He hauled off the junk, he repaired the fence, pulled out the stumps, planted an orchard. Then he refurbished the old house into a quaint cottage with a new roof, new windows, a new stone walkway, a new paint job, finally even some flower boxes and flower beds. It took several years to accomplish all this, but finally, the last job had been completed. He was simply touching up a fresh coat of paint on the mailbox when his minister stopped by. The minister had heard about the farm from others at church, and he came by to wish the farmer well. Well, farmer, it looks like you and God have certainly created a beautiful place here. Wiping the sweat from his face, the farmer replied, well, yes, that's true, but you should have seen it when God had it all to himself. (laughs) It starts with you. It's fine to say you're going to leave it up to God, but... You've been leaving it up to God. If you want to see some movement in your life, it's time to make a change here, and it's time to make a change here. And we can do it together. I'm looking forward to this month. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There is one life. There is one goodness. It is that thing that we talked about, that indwelling God that is every person, place, thing, and situation. Truly God in full form, always, always here for us, always listening to our thoughts, always taking those thoughts and turning them into our reality. I know that means me. I know that means each person here has that capability of directing their thoughts, of choosing different thoughts, in fact, when necessary, to create a life of love, of power, of joy, of abundance, of peace. And so each one of us, as we have chosen maybe an area on our lives where we would like to see some improvement, I know that God, willing and waiting to act upon new ideas, new ways of being, new intentions for that greater life. And I'm simply grateful for this. I'm grateful as God showing up in the, in the universe itself as well as the individuals in this room. Just grateful for life. I let it be And together we say, 
And so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.